Hi, church family. <laughs> uh, great to be with you all. All right, let us continue to worship our Lord in the Word. And if you could with me, uh, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Such a privilege to be with you guys. And um, I love athletics. And um, no matter what discipline I pursue, leave it to me to just make it more complicated. Um, I remember when I was in high school going to the bowling alley with a few friends and uh, just started rolling down some pins and uh, found myself being really, really good, real competitive. And uh, my peers just started to encourage me, man, Steve, you need to, you need to join a league. I think you, you got something special going on. So uh, sure enough, I joined a league and I started to continue to bowl and and, um, you know, and I, I started to study the form and the curve and, you know, I started to look like bionic man. I had the wrist brace and the elbow lock and, and I noticed every time I uh, continued to bowl, my game got worse and worse and worse. And uh, just leave it to me. I just have a tendency to complicate things, uh, overthink things. Do you, does that happen to you guys sometimes? And um, so... Uh, Today, I, I, I wanted to spend time in a passage that has been just so actually um, dear to my heart, and uh, it kind of has a back-to-the-basics type of theme to it. Um, you know, I have this tendency to just make things so complicated, and uh, in this passage of Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 2 is just one of those kind of like fundamentals, just back-to-the-basics. Um, and so, would you just pray with me, and, uh, and we'll just try to peel it apart. So, Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we're so thankful for your word, and we're so thankful, Lord, that you're such an active and living God who um, desires to meet with us. And so, Lord, would you, again, just go before us. Would you just, uh, just bless and anoint your word. Speak to our heart, Lord. We don't want to just go through the motions here. We... We need to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 2 um, has two uh, characters that just absolutely amaze me. I, I, uh, I love looking at the survey, of, uh, survey going through Kings and see these two gentlemen. You have Elijah and Elisha. And what you have here is Elijah was the prophet, the man of God. And let me just read here in verse 1. And it came to pass when, Elijah, when the Lord would take up Elijah into the heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So it was not a surprise uh, to at least a group of people that Elijah was going to depart in just a miraculous or a supernatural way. We're told that Elijah, Elisha, and all the prophets knew that a day was coming where he was going to be removed from the earth. And 
Elijah was going to be carried away by this whirlwind, just a supernatural, you know, exit, if you would. Scripture doesn't tell us how they knew he was going to leave, but we're told that the sons of prophets, which were a school of prophets, kind of like a school of ministry. And what we're going to see here in this passage that there was at least four schools or four locations, uh, four towns where each one of these schools were at. And it's pretty apparent. Elijah had poured himself deeply into these men studying God's word. And they had a heart and a calling to, to go serve the Lord. And Elisha was, um, Elisha was the student or the disciple of Elijah. And, you know, I, I, um, I'm so thankful that the Lord has put so many wonderful men in my life that have just poured deeply into me. Um, you know, we see these beautiful pictures of discipleship in Scripture. You know, you have Paul, who is the spiritual mentor or the father of the faith, and he had his disciple or his student, um, his servant, that was Timothy. And, and I, pray, I pray for you guys that you all experience that beauty and that gem of discipleship. I pray that you're all just being faithful in you know, for those of you who are older in the Lord, more seasoned in the Lord, that you come along and look for a young man or a young woman to pour deep into, to invest into, you know. And then I also love the relationship that we see that Paul had with Barnabas. You know, that wasn't necessarily a, uh, a mentor-student relationship, but that was just another brother was at about the same layer or level of, of maturity, and, and, and they kept each other accountable. And so I'm just thankful that the Lord, you know, I kind of look back in my life how special it was to, to just have certain people, just certain men just pour deep into me. And that's what's happening here is Elijah, um, not only has he come along to each one of these cities and has poured deep into these young men, but he also has this one very special relationship with Elisha. And now what's happening here is we see there's these four different locations. And look at verse 2. Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, or, you know, stay here, I pray thee, please. The Lord said, un sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you or leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yeah, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Or, Yeah, I know. Keep silent. Well, what's going on here? Again, Elijah and Elisha, you know, Elijah has um, been this spiritual father, the spiritual mentor relationship to Elisha, a big brother to him in a sense. And I believe he was with him by his side for about six years. And Elisha, we're told actually in earlier portion of scripture, is that Elisha was chosen by the Lord to take over the ministry from Elijah. 
Some commentaries suggest that Elijah was kind of testing the devotion here of his student. And, 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 and maybe um, it could have been more of just a practical matter. I mean, think about it. What's happening here is Elijah knows that his time on earth is going to expire any time. And what he's doing here is his, over his years, he has poured deep into these schools of prophets, these school of ministry students. And he's, you know, if you, were about, if you know you were going to leave, wouldn't you make some important visits? And that's what Elijah's doing. He's, he's going through, he's making the rounds in a sense. And of course, his student, Elisha, wants to stay close. You know, they love each other. They've gone through years of serving together. And so some commentaries say that Elijah was kind of like testing Elisha, but I, I, I don't know, because I think Elijah really knew the heart of his student. Um, he knew the commitment. He knew the calling on him. I think it might have been more of a practical matter, just like when they went to the first stop, Gilgal, that first location. I think it was more like, you know what, Elijah, you, um, you're going to be needed here. Why don't you just stay here and just start to pour into these guys? But see, Elisha, though, he, he, he wasn't ready to, to release his mentor. He wanted to be close to him. Such a special bond. And uh, now, do you, do you guys like nostalgic places? Do you all have a, like a special place, you know, or go to certain places and then you just start to be flooded with memories? Um, I, I was just actually thinking one through this morning. My wife and I, we, we have, uh, as our kids were growing up, we would just love taking little uh, day trip getaways uh, to Toronto. And, uh, and I'd love to take my kids and just expose them to Chinatown. You know, the, 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 the sights were different, the smells are different, the sounds are different. And, um, and we just had some just great experiences with our kids. And, um, and so every time I go to Toronto, it's just, I just, you know, the memories just start to unfold. And actually, it didn't start when I was, when we were raising our kids. It was, actually goes back to when I was 16, and my buddy and I, traveled up there, and we just started to explore the cities on our own by a skateboard. And, um, and, and so it's just, it just, it just memories and nostalgic places. Now, I've got to be careful when we look at Scripture. I, I don't have the liberty to take creative license. I can't just identify a place and say, well, this is what the Lord was saying here. So, with that, I just want to proceed with caution. Just share that as I look at this scripture, I'm not sure if this is the Lord's heart here, but as I look at scripture and I see these different locations, what I realize is they are very rich in history for the nation of Israel. And so perhaps as Elijah and Elisha were making these last rounds, certainly going to these four different cities to, to make those farewell visits with the school of prophets, I think kind of the bigger picture, when I look at it, I think about the significance of these locations. And that's just what I want to share with you today. It's just these, these spots are just special. And again, kind of like I have this tendency to make things so complicated, it just kind of brings you back to basics. Okay? 
guys, gals remember playing baseball and you know, and you, the pitch is thrown and you just swing with all your might and you whiff real hard and, you know, and the coach says, just keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a coach and I, um, I do phys ed with the kids at our school and I'm, I'm doing beach volleyball with them right now. You know, and I'm trying to teach them how to bump, set, spike. And, but the reality of it is it, it really goes down to all those three basic techniques. It goes down to lowering your base. You've got to bend your knees, lower your base. It, it's just back to fundamentals. You know, we, we love motocross, right? And you guys have an active motocross ministry here. And, and, and so often I hear the coaches say, squeeze the tank. That's like, you know, keep your eye on the ball type of thing. It just gets real simple. So I have this tendency in, in my walk with the Lord to just make things so complicated. And, and, uh, and I believe here as, as the spiritual father, the mentor, is, is making his rounds, knowing that he's going to depart here at any given moment, um, I think we can look at these cities and say, you know what, there's something special going on here. What does that mean? And so it was a place... Gilgal was the first place they were at. We see in the first two verses. And if you remember Gilgal, that was introduced to us in Joshua chapter 5. It was a place where the Israelites first came into the promised land. Remember, they, um, they had stepped out of Egypt. They were in years of bondage and slavery. And then the Lord had raised up Moses and then ultimately would raise up Joshua to lead them into the promised land. And the promised land is really a spiritual picture for you and me of of that spirit-filled life, of just walking with the Lord in intimacy and in power. And but what we see here is the Israelites, because of their wandering in the desert with Moses, and, um, and, and they, they took their eyes off the Lord. They, they were, we started to see that they were just continually murmuring and complaining, and they, were, they weren't worshiping the Lord with all their heart. And what happened is this whole generation of Israel, they get their eyes off the Lord. It, in fact, keeps them from entering into the promised land. But ultimately, as that generation dies off, the Lord would raise up Joshua to bring his people to where God desired them to be. But what we find out is they, that this whole generation was not circumcised, okay? And, and the Lord instructed them to make flint knives to yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So during those 40 years of waiting and wandering in the wilderness, none of the sons... None of the sons born of that initial first generation had been circumcised. Now, circumcision was, was always a powerful act of consecration to the Lord. It's an act of purification. It's removing the flesh. It's being different from the world, being set apart. In Scripture, in Psalm chapter 4, verse 3, says, know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. And I praise Jesus. I praise Jesus that he dealt with our flesh at the cross. I'm so thankful for that. And if you, if you would with me, would you just 
flip up to uh, Romans chapter 6. And I love how we believe the Apostle Paul here writes, is the instrument writing Romans. And I love the three key words here that are expressed in this chapter. As the Holy Spirit is reminding us the, the real condition of our flesh, our old man. We understand, you guys understand that, that terminology? You know, it's, it's, it's that our flesh or our old man is the, those desires, those motives, that, that person that was what we once were before we met Christ. Now, surely our flesh continually desires to surface, right? And But we understand that it's God's heart that our flesh be crucified, it be put down. But look at verse 6 in chapter 6 of Romans. And the three words here are no. And then we see this other King James um, word called reckon or remember. And then the third key word is, is yield. And so look at verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the, body of, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So that's our condition. Our, our old man, because of our relationship with Christ, has also been crucified. Therefore, or henceforth, we should not serve sin. Verse 7, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Then here, our next key word again is no. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon or remember. So the first thing is just know. Know that your old man has been also put down. The second thing is remember, though. Remember. Remember that, that you yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and its lust thereof. And then you get this third key word in verse 13. It says, neither yield. Don't, don't yield your members, your heart, your attitude, your mind towards sin. Know that Christ died for that. Know that you are freed from that. Remember that you, you, you're alive to the Lord now. And then, then we see that often that conscious decision of our will. We get to just yield to that. When we have those desires, our flesh have those desires that, you know, um, that are to, to do those things that the Lord doesn't desire us to. You know, we yield to what's right. In Psalm 4, 4 it says, Stand in awe and sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed, and be still. And in Philippians 3, 3, it says, For we are the circumcision 
which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So back here to Second Kings, they're in this place, the Israelites are in this place of Gilgal. The Lord instructs them to, to, to circumcise, to circumcise the men. And, and it makes no sense militarily. You know, they're in this land now where they're in this foreign land. Giants are all around them. Um, you know, they're going to be vulnerable, at least for a period of time while they heal. But uh, it's God's way. God, God always, it's a high priority to him for you and I that our flesh be dealt with. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So just back to basics, fundamentals. I make things so confusing. But it's an important stop here, I believe, that these men went to as they're making the rounds. Gilgal. You know, we want to be used by the Lord. Isn't it, isn't it interesting, isn't it amazing that we have, when we get saved, we have that desire to just be used by the Lord. And it's so unnatural. Our flesh does not want that. It's, great, it's a great benchmark that you belong to him. But we want to be used by the Lord, and we certainly know we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. But to do so, we often need to be emptied. And we need to be emptied of our flesh. And so emptied of that worldly and self-serving desires and motive. And so, you know, the first stop, Gilgal, it's a place of purification. Be aggressive with sin. I love, <laughs> again, I like sports. One of the sports I played was football. And um, I was uh, second, no, third string bench <laughs> and for some reason, I pursued being on the line. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really have the physique for alignment. I was always tall and scrawny. And so uh, I played center. <laughs> it worked out fine when I was a freshman, but uh, as we got a little bit older, uh, I just got crushed. And um, I remember uh, when we would do games, so I, I enjoyed practices, and, and I get it. I, I You know, I, we... You know, it's about an investment as a team, right? Yeah, I would work hard to, that our starters would get the best opportunity to practice in the course of the week, and then we'd play games, and, 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 and we did really well. We were, we were a, a dominating force in, in our section through our run through high school. Games, though, could be a little bit boring, especially when our team was dominating. I had the cheerleaders keep me busy. Now... For your mind wanders, I, I didn't see them. In fact, where I actually stood on the bench, the cheerleaders were way actually far away, but I could hear them. And I could hear them with their cheers. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. And, you know, I know there's more to it, but that's all I remember. But when I'm reminded of the Lord's heart for us to be holy, right? He writes that. Be holy, for I am holy. You know, being aggressive with sin. 
You know, when I realize that I go through a course of a day and I'm not confessing my sin, it's a really good indicator that I am out of line. I am off. Because I understand that I sin and am selfish all the time. And it's kind of like keeping short accounts. It's being aggressive. It's, it's Lord, you know, I have this selfish attitude. I am struggling with my heart with this guy. You know, I really want to be, you know, I, I want to be acknowledged in this. And, you know, and, and so it's continual. I, it's, and so let it be a bench. Be aggressive. So when I, <laughs> sorry, but, you know, let me be that cheerleader for you to, to just encourage you. Just keep your faith simple, but be aggressive with sin. When you fellowship with each other, do you get to the point where you're, you're you, you, do you know what you're working on? Is there, is there a, a layer of, of purity that you're desiring? You know, and I know we, we don't obtain, not until we're in glory. So it, it's, it's the, you know, the Lord, it's, it's why we call him the Holy Spirit, because he's holy. And, 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 and light can't have fellowship with darkness. And we want this intimate, beautiful, simple walk with the Lord. And so as these guys are making the rounds, I think Gilgal is just that place of purification, being aggressive with sin, you know, staying clean to the best of your ability. Keep short accounts. I got crushed in my first year of college taking, you know, accounting. And I thought I could just wing it and blow off my homework. And then before the exams, I would just start trying to crunch. But the, you know, I was swamped with debits and credits and the volume of the work. And, and I realized, man, I got to do my homework often. You know, just keeping short accounts better than letting it, you know, and let it be a, a, a little, a, a good um, litmus test. Are you confessing all the time? That's, that's good. You're, you're being aggressive with sin. You're being sensitive. You're hearing the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that's the one who's even bringing it to our attention. So it's more like, yeah, Lord, you're right. I agree with you. It's that kind of conversation, right? So then we see the second place they go to. So Elijah says, okay, um, we're going to go to Bethel. And if you remember, Bethel was that place where Jacob met the Lord in Genesis chapter 28. It was a place of revelation. It's a place where Jacob was met by God. He was running from his brother Esau. Jacob, you know, he was that heel catcher. He had this kind of manipulative type of personality. And if you remember the story, he tricked his brother out of his birthright. And so he goes to Bethel um, running for his life, and he finds himself in just a barren, fruitless desert. And we're told that his sleeping accommodations are on the ground using a rock as a pillow. And yet, in that spot, he has a vision, and the Lord reveals himself to him. And, and, and he sees this vision of this ladder, and he sees these angels ascending and descending. And, and Jacob has this, you know, he says, he says, uh, truly God is in this place, and I knew it not. 
And he, was, he thought Bethel was just a place that was dry and, and a fruitless desert, but he saw that God was with him. And he, he encountered the Lord there, and, and he had understanding of him. And, and I, I thank Jesus that he has revealed himself to us. You know, he, he sought us out to meet with us. Uh, I love John chapter 6, verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It was the Lord who initiated this relationship with you and me. And then we see, I, I see, I need this, this spot, Bethel, this is what it reminds me of. First of all, Bethel, do you know what it means? House of God. And I know here I'm, pre- I'm preaching to the choir, but praise God he's given us church. And praise God that you take the time to meet with the Lord, with the saints corporately. And I do believe the Lord always has a very special blessing for corporate worship and prayer and communion studying his word. You know, it's incredible. There is such a pull from the world on us. But for you and me to schedule in interrupted, interrupted moments of the flesh, it's really good. It's why we go to church. I need this, you know. But Bethel also, I think, means something more special. Because some of us can cruise. We can show up at church and we get challenged and we, get, we, we give our Lord the praise and adoration he deserves. But our Bibles can become um, not part of our weekly or daily routine. Our prayer life can just kind of be non-existent to the course of the week or even weeks. Bethel, my friends, I think is a place where, where we just take the time and the spot for the Lord to meet with us. It could be in retreats. It could be in corporate prayer. It could be scheduling in that walk in the morning where it's just you and the Lord. If, if you struggle with just communing and just talking with the Lord, go for a walk. It's just, just you and the Lord. Just go for a walk. Leave your phone behind and just go for a walk. You know, for me, it's like I, 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 I've become so desirous, I, so needful. You know, I realize I can only give out what I receive from him. Right? I can't be a patient father, a compassionate husband, you know, a, 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 um, a caring youth leader. You know, I can't be effective in counseling or serving unless I am receiving from above. Because my flesh, ew, there's nothing good in this. The only thing that's good is what I get from him. And so as the Lord just enlarges my past, gives me more opportunities to be poured out, to find those young Timothys and pour into them, I realize I need, I I find myself so needy. And so I get up early. 
I spend time with the Lord, and I get out of the house early. For me, I love to fly fish. I shared that with you before. I love to fly fish. And for me, though, what I love mostly about it, it's the solitude. I get up, I drink incredible amounts of coffee. I get out the door, I'm on the stream at sunrise. Now, I'm fortunate. I know all of us have different schedules, but I don't have to report to work till 9. So, you know, from like 6 to six to 8.30, I, I mean, I get all that time in the morning. And sometimes I don't even fish. I just sit on the rock and I just watch the water and I listen to the Lord and I pray. It's the solitude. That's why when my friends ask me, hey, can I go fish with you? I say, no way. No, I say yes sometimes. I usually try to shake them. But it's because of that, it's that special time. So Bethel is that place, guys, gals, where you just, um, you want to, um, you want to make sure that you are putting yourself in a spot where he's revealing himself to you. He's a gentleman. The Lord is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. And so, Give him that opportunity, you know. And so, you know, James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we see in verse 4, and, and Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets were at Jericho, came to Elisha and said unto him, Don't you know that, that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yes, I know it. You know, hold your peace. So here we have this next location, this next city, and it's Jericho. And remember, you guys know the story. Jericho is a place of confrontation but it was also a place of victory. It's a place with, where faith, trust, and obedience in the Lord tells the story of victory. You remember, it's a city surrounded by walls that were thought to be impossible or impassable to, to go through. Too big, too strong, naturally unable to penetrate. And the Israelites, they were instructed by the Lord to obey. He told them, take a walk. Circle the city each day. Take a, take a walk. And they, they, were, they had to just obey and believe. And then they were instructed, you know, to exercise their faith and trust in the Lord. March around the city once each day for six days. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And when I say shout, shout. Don't be afraid of the big walls or the giants inside. And, and the event was a demonstration of just supernatural power. Power that was released by faith, trust, and obedience in the Lord. And I, I know of another expression of power, but for us today. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you that you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and all Sumeria unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we have been, so we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? To confront the strongholds of the enemy. 
for confrontation. And I need this continual reminder that I am a soldier for the Lord. We are in intense battles for the lives of men, aren't we? And I need not to cower with the conflict. <laughs> when these amazing verses, I like to say it, but it, it does humble me. 1 Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, Watch you stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. In other words, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Be strong. To impact our neighborhoods, right? To reach our schools, to touch our community, to, to, fight, to fight with truth effectively. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for confrontation, though. It's not for us to be satisfied or, you know, have accolades or feel that we're being used. It's, it's, it's about war. It's about conflict. And in fact, the conflict, right, is what really grows us. It causes us to work through our issues, right? So not to, not to be afraid of it. And so we see that first place, Gilgal, that place of purification. Then we have Bethel, that place where, man, you know what? You, you need to put yourself in a place where God will meet with you whatever it looks like for you at your stage of life. You know, it's hard. Your you moms, you know, you got little ones running around, okay? But you need to, you need to find that way to, to meet with the Lord. And so we see in verse 6, And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and the two stood by Jordan. And so Jordan, there's a lot of historical accounts, right, that happened at the Jordan. But if we were to peel back and look at the first, it's a, it's a picture of expectancy, expectation. See, I thank God that we have hope. What is hope? It's, it's, it's just a beneficial outcome, isn't it? We're working through a hardness and a difficulty of life, and when there's hope in our hearts, it's, it's, that, it's that belief, you know what? It's going to be okay. There's going to be an outcome that's beneficial. We need hope. Expectation that the Lord's going to pull through. Psalm 71.5, for, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust for my youth. So when the Israelites first came to the Jordan River, they were instructed to see their, what they were trying to do is bring the Ark of the Covenant, and, and it was on their backs in, the, in, in the carrying it. And, um, and the Lord told them to step into the water. So you got a water, you know, they got the river, and they needed to cross the water. And the Lord tells them, step into the water. And God had purposed for his children to, to draw out that faith. 
their challenge was to have that expectation, that expectancy that is, you know what? Looks like we're going to drown, but God's got this. And they stepped into the water, and then the water parted. You know? And we're reminded that in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he, is, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, and so I have to ask, ask my question. Am I, am I listening closely to God's leading and stepping out? Or am I so, so hung up with failing? If I stop taking risk, am I spending time with the Lord? Do I have a vision or something in my heart, and to the best of my ability, it kind of matches up with what, man, I think that's God's will. Are you willing to step out? expectation. And so, you know, these three, as the guys are taking these last rounds, just keep pure. Keep putting yourself in a spot where you meet with the Lord. Understand that you're at war. Conflict all around you. But men's lives are at stake. You need the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the fourth is 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 an expectation, expectancy. God wants to use you. Do you believe it? He's no respecter of persons, Scripture tells us. That means when we see great things happen here, you can expect. Of course, he has different fruit and different things, but he wants to use us. An expectancy, that's faith. Faith is how we please him. So just back to basics. I, again, I confuse things, but the, I, I'm just so thankful for this passage. It just kind of centers me. But let me wrap it up here. Look at verse 8. Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. Oops, I must have. Let's see what I... Verse 8, and Elijah took his mantle. Now the mantle was, um, it was like a prophet's garb. It was kind of like a special cloak that, you know, it was just kind of like the, the, the symbol that, you know, they were a, a man of the Lord, a prophet. So Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, and smote the waters. And, and they were divided hither and thither, so, so that the two went over to dry ground. And it came to pass... When they had gone over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, I was asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it shall not be so unto you. But if not, it shall, or excuse me, it shall be so unto you. But if not, it shall not be so. So he says, ask whatever I do for you before I'm taken from you. And so Elijah gives a really big invitation to his student, Elisha. And Elisha says, let a double portion of your spirit. See, Elisha saw and experienced 
many incredible ways how the Lord had used Elijah. He saw the Spirit of God work through him, and he wanted the same for himself. And like Solomon here, okay, remember the account with Solomon when he was given that kind of big ask? He could have asked for anything, right? But he, he did right. He passed, he passed with flying colors. He asked for, for wisdom. Elisha could have asked for wealth or position or success, but, but he asked the thing that was in line with God's heart. He asked for a double portion of the Spirit of God. Now, this double portion in the King James it's, it's, uh, can be a little bit misunderstood. He wasn't asking for twice the amount of power that Elijah had. He, he was actually asking for the, the portion that was given to the firstborn, like you would see actually in Deuteronomy chapter 21. See, Elijah had the, Elisha had the right to be the successor of Elijah. Um, and he just simply wanted the tools, he wanted the power to fulfill what God was calling him to. And so it was a request for spiritual power to fulfill the calling. And he just said, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. In other words, keep your eyes on the master. Just keep your eyes on the master. Elijah was the man of God, the prophet, the master to Elisha. And as this whirlwind came, you know, he said, what do you want? Elisha said, I just want, I just want the, the spiritual power, the anointing to be able to just do what, you're, what the Lord's calling me to do. And he said, just keep your eyes on the master. And so we see in verse 11, it came to pass as they went still on and talked. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes, he rent them into pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him, or from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And of course, Elisha here, that ripping or renting of the clothes, he's heartbroken because his master is gone. His heart's broken. It's expression of deep mourning. But he took up the mantle. And it was that, it was that special mark. He did inherit the ministry. And, you know, Elijah the master, the man of God, you keep your eyes locked on me, you see me. If I'm the object of your attention, keep your eyes on the master and you'll receive the double portion. It would have been easy for Elisha to be, you know, staring down the chariots and the horsemen and all the signs and wonders that happened around, but, but just that simplicity. Just, let's just keep our eyes on Jesus He's the author and perfecter of our faith. It's all about Jesus, right? Keeping our attention on the master. Be aggressive like ye gall. Stay pure. Be consecrated. We ought not to look, smell, act like the world. It's not, we, we, we're heaven bound. We're citizens of heaven. We need a light touch in all avenues of our heart here.
Bethel, just keep putting yourselves in the place where the Lord will meet with us, the house of God. You know, keep scheduling that weekly interruption from the flesh. Put yourselves, though, in that spot. Do the retreats, okay? You can't outgive God. Give him that time. Go for the walks. You know, get alone. Take a hike. Let him pour deep into you. Jericho, it's the place of confrontation. Men and women around us need to see the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you just got to receive it. You can't turn it on and off, but you got you to keep yourself clean. You got to keep yourself available, and he'll do it. And, and, and then move with expectancy. You know, don't be afraid to take risks again. I know you've been burned. I know you've been, had your heart broken. But keep going. Keep going. The Lord's not done with you yet. And then simply just, let's just keep our eyes on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Keep your eyes on the master. So that's the fundamentals. Keep your eye on the ball. Squeeze the tank. Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? <laughs> Let me pray. Will you stand with me and, and let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful for um, your faithful to us, Lord. And, uh, oh, we're, we're complex creatures at times, Lord, but thankful, Lord, for your truth and just the simplicity of your gospel. And, um, Lord, just thankful that... Uh, that you have gone to such great lengths, Lord, to make yourself known. And uh, together, Lord, we just uh, we worship and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, my friends.